Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to The Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. At first glance, there's little to distinguish Pangaea's minimalist white sneakers from the crowd of others on the market. But in small black print emblazoned across its shoes, the brand claims differences. Instead of using leather or fossil fuel-based synthetics, the shoes are made from grape and plant waste, according to a recent Instagram post. Text printed on the shoe bills them as circular in production and design. The material is one of dozens of fabric innovations beginning to hit the market with flamboyant billing as game-changing eco-conscious alternatives to leather, which has come under fire for its links to animal cruelty and environmentally harmful industrial agriculture. But how much less harmful are materials like this really? Today I'm joined by BOF's chief sustainability correspondent, Sarah Kent, to attempt to unravel the mystery. So Sarah, this topic of vegan leather, whatever you want to call it, is not new. So why did you want to do this story right now? Like, what is the relevant thing that's happening in that category? So I think what we've seen happen this year is a lot of materials that people have been talking about very breathlessly for a long time, particularly mushroom or mycelium-based materials, have started to hit the market. It's still in a small way, still, you know, kind of capsule collections, but this stuff is available and it wasn't really before this year. And it's kind of stirred up again, this conversation around what are leather alternatives? What are they made of? And what are their benefits and hurdles? And, and it's it's an interesting time to look at it beyond just the leather debate, because across the industry, you can kind of see similar disruptions happening where you're having new kinds of materials that claim to be better than the traditional ones we've used for a variety of reasons. You know, with leather, you can say it's it's ethical because you're not killing animals, but also there are environmental claims associated with it too. And they're trying to challenge the traditional materials that we use. And there's a lot of money on the table and people are getting very head up about it, which is why I think it's interesting to unpack. So your lead for this story was this new grape leather that this brand Pangaea that does a lot in this space is promoting. What's interesting about what they're doing in particular? 
Yeah, so this great base leather has been on the market for a little while. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about this moment in time, beyond the fact that we're having new materials come in, is that we're also having a separate but related conversation about how you talk about the materials you use and how you make claims about whether or not they're beneficial for the environment or beneficial in some other way. And the big debate around leather is, are all leather alternatives simply plastic? So what Pangaea was saying about these white sneakers that they made, which look like any other white sneaker that you buy, except that they're made of this great base leather. And Pangaea was describing this material as very different to the other types of materials you would find on the market, either leather or essentially plastic fossil fuel-based materials. But you dig a little bit deeper, and whilst this material does have a primarily plant-based content, roughly 30% of it is still fossil-based. It's still plastic. And so you have to be very careful and very switched on to understand what it is you're buying as a consumer. And that, I thought, was also very interesting. It reminds me of the milk debate, like almond milk, rice milk, whatever, M-Y-L-K, you're going to call it an almond plant-based drink, et cetera, et cetera, because it's not technically milk. This stuff isn't technically leather. It seems like the word pleather is not not something they want to be associated with. They don't want to talk about the fact that there's plastic being used here. Like what kind of language is bubbling up as appropriate or something that people seem to be really comfortable with across the board? We don't have a consensus yet about what language you can use. And actually, what you're even allowed to use can vary from country to country. Some countries have said, if it's not leather, you cannot describe it as vegan leather. I think from a consumer perspective, if something is being made to look and feel like leather, and it's helpful to have that comparison. But what you want is to really understand what it is you're buying. So if it's a leather alternative and it's plastic, that should be clear. And if it's a leather alternative and it's made of a certain proportion of plant-based material, that proportion should be clear. And you shouldn't be made to feel like you're buying something that is kind of a magical new material that's just made of plants and will decompose and just go back to the earth and cause no harm if that's not what is indeed the case. And, and no material fits that bill yet. We, we've not yet found that mystical material that we can make lots of stuff out of that does not harm the environment. With a lot of things that you cover and in fashion in general, the regulations on this stuff seem to be, they exist, but like these regulatory bodies that are implementing them really don't have a lot of authority. It feels like, like what are the regulations that are in place? Like what are different groups trying to do to make this more easy for the consumer to understand, but also just to like monitor these companies. It's super messy. <laughs> it's super messy. And the so messy. The regulation is taking shape. And you and I've talked about this before, where it's taking shape most aggressively right now is in Europe, where they are trying to figure out a framework to measure impact that they want to put on products. That framework isn't agreed yet. And so Right now, really, as a brand, the best way you can serve your customer is just by being really transparent about what it is that you have. So I have this material. This is what it's made of. That's all you can actually say right now, really. So that's what you should say. Yeah. What word do you think is the best word to use? 
instead of vegan leather. Or pleather or whatever. Or pleather. I don't mind saying vegan leather. I just think you have to then be transparent on the other side of what you mean by that. I don't mind having an umbrella term because I think that can be helpful, but you have to make it clear next to the product what it is you're actually selling. I'm still a fan of pleather. I say, bring back pleather. Reading this piece, I was like, oh yeah, pleather. You're getting nostalgia, Lauren. Yeah, it feels <laughs> retro or something. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, Sarah will unveil what's next in this space. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to the debrief, Sarah. So we've talked pleather. What are companies doing to create plastic-free leather alternatives that you can actually use? that are less trying to make this less confusing? Like, where is this market going? The problem with this conversation is that plastic is actually a really good material in many ways in terms of functionality. And even a lot of leather products will have a plastic coating on them to give them all kinds of different performance abilities, whether that's to enhance durability or, you know, you go outside in the rain with your leather handbag and it doesn't get horribly stained when you get it wet. That is probably because it has a plastic coating. So one of the big challenges that the industry faces in trying to really eliminate plastic is that there isn't yet a very good alternative to get all of that functionality. So in terms of stuff that's likely to hit the market in the near term, you're going to be looking at stuff with a reduced plastic content rather than no plastic content. But there's a lot of like pretty cool, crazy sci-fi stuff going on, you know, about just growing the stuff in the lab, similar to what you're seeing with the meatless meat type stuff. They're trying to do that with leather too, but it's quite far from coming to market still. So what's this thing that Allbirds invested $2 million in last year? Natural fiber welding. And the name of their leather alternative is Miram? Yeah, so they have a leather alternative called Miram. It's the only one that I'm aware of on the market that is fully plastic-free. There may be others, I just haven't heard of them. Natural fiber welding has come up with a way to create a leather-like material without having to use any plastic. If it mimics plastic in the service it provides to the wearer of the shoe, like durability, et cetera, is there a chance that like, even though it's made of plant-based materials, that it's still emitting the same kind of bad things into the air that plastic is? Like, have they proven that this is not emitting or like doesn't take as much work or damage to the environment to actually make this stuff? versus something that's plastic-based or leather or leather-based? 
It's a really good question. And this is part of the challenge that we face at the moment where the data across the industry is not very good. So it's quite hard to make comparisons about whether one material is better than another. A particular challenge for new and emerging materials, especially ones that might be just coming out of the lab, is that oftentimes how they're made is changing. It's evolving. It's being optimized. And if you try and do a study to understand environmental impact, and then three months later, one of the inputs has changed, that impact has changed as well. So it's quite difficult to get a read on the impact of these different things. I think one thing that most people would agree on is that we want to reduce our use of fossil fuels, of oil, and therefore of plastic. And therefore, if you are reducing plastic content, that is a positive thing. That doesn't mean that you won't have some of those other challenges on the other side. An emerging issue is trying to create bioplastics. So plastics that are not made from fossil fuels, but are made from bio-based content. Those may still have the same molecular structure as a fossil-based plastic, which then means the issues, as you were alluding to, of sort of microfiber shedding, for instance, that come up in the use and disposal at the end of life, those remain. Got it. And the main thing is that they're trying. They're trying. All other things aside, it's a cool technical innovation. This is sort of science fiction style stuff. It's really interesting. So before we go, let's do an update on mushroom leather, because I think I'm not sure if the last time we spoke, but we did a pod on the mushroom leather and everything. So what's going on in that space? I know there have been some mushroom leather things that have come to market. Do you feel like they're getting somewhere and that we're going to start to see it go mass or is it still another five years out or, or never out? It's not never out. I think we're a little while from mass. A lot of the companies that have bought products to market this year are in the process of building much larger production facilities that should come online in the coming year. So we should start to see a lot more products come to market, but it's still going to be far from the scale of what we're looking at when it comes to really established supply chains for things like leather or indeed pleather, because they've been around for much longer and you've got much greater capacity in the market for them. Sarah, what are you most excited about when covering this? Because I'm sure in six months or a year, you're going to be another doing another update. I think getting beyond that kind of initial exuberance that comes with any kind of new tech innovation where everyone's just like, oh my God, this is so new. It's so exciting. And actually digging in to understand what the possibilities of these new materials are. And what we could do with them. And I think one of the questions that you asked earlier around what should we call these materials? Should we be talking about them as alternative leathers? I think there is this emerging conversation within this space where people are like, we're creating something brand new. We're creating a new material. Why are we just trying to mimic leather? Why can't we try and see what the properties of this material is that could be distinctive and something people haven't experienced before? And where can we take that? And I think that's going to start to emerge over the next 12 to 18 months. It'll be really interesting. We could get some crazy kind of new textures and things like that. Sarah, as always, thank you for joining me. It was so lovely to catch up. Thank you for having me. Talk soon. Bye. Be sure to check out Sarah's article, The Truth About Vegan Leather at businessoffashion.com. The link to this and other articles available to BOF professional subscribers only is also in the show notes. 
You have been listening to The Debrief, produced and edited by Emma Clark, Kate Barton, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships. Thank you.